Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is Joshua Kahn with the news. Scientists at the University of Maine have published a new study proving that electricity, once believed to be created by the movement of electrically charged subatomic particles, is in fact magic. We're just as surprised as you are, said Dr. Henry Anthony Wilcox, before looking into the middle distance and screaming. In other news, candle sales are back on the rise. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I am one of your hosts, CM Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. What's up, constant readers? And today we are finishing out the book Revival, if you're reading along. And if you're not, major spoilers ahead. Josh is leading us through the discussion again. Josh. Yeah. Let's do it, guys. So where we left off last week, a quick recap. Jamie Morton was a boy who met a preach, uh, a preacher. And they became best friends. No, who met a preach? (laughs) (laughs) Met a preach. (laughs) Jamie and uh, Pastor Jacobs became best friends. They both grew up, grew apart, faced tragedy, and then electricity brought them back together. Electricity and heroin brought them back together. Uh, And where we left off is uh, Jamie is now in Denver and found out that Charlie Jacobs is doing his revival show, his tent revival show. Uh, somewhere outside of Denver, and him and another man he cured, Hugh Yates, are going to go see the show. So that's where we pick up. Immediately, the second half of this book starts to get batshit insane. And it is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) So we go go to the revival, they, they get there, and the place is just full of so many people. Other things they like to describe... Like all ages, races, economic backgrounds, every type of person is in this revival hoping, probably hoping to get healed or hoping to just be a part of it. And everybody's so excited. Him and Yates uh, sneak in the back. And I like that Jamie's first thought is not, wow, look at all these these people. It's what a bunch of idiots. I guess Jacobs needs money. I think that's his first thought is the, just the most cynical option, which I mean, he's not wrong. What did you guys think of Jacob's changing the story of how his wife and son really died? It didn't make sense to me at the time. I know we, he talks about it later uh, when when he finally asks him that, that the answer is that they don't deserve the story. They don't mm-hmm. deserve the truth. And that makes sense in retrospect. But at the time, I was just as confused as Jamie. Instead of talking about the accident, he just says they drown. I I kind of got the sense of what he was doing because it says Jamie later has a thought. I don't know if he hates these people, but he holds them in contempt. Uh, Yeah, I agree, CM, that it's such a small detail, but it says Mm -hmm. a lot to how much Jacobs has changed. He says when he smiles, he still sees part of the reverend that he knew. But yeah, there's just a little bit of something sinister has snuck into him. Mm-hmm. It's all the more sad because of that glimpse we got into the relationship at the very beginning and seeing the impact that Jacob's made in Jamie's life and probably the impact that Jamie made in Jacob's life. Mm-hmm. And then you see their relationship start to change over the years and become something kind of dark and bleak. And this is also the first instance we see that Jacob's 
age is showing. He talks about that. He when Jacobs finally comes out, there's a whole pre-show with singers and uh, Al Stamper, who was a a big star in his own time, who are singing gospel music. And then Jacobs finally comes out and like kneels and does a prayer. And then when he gets up, Jamie notices that he like has a little hard time getting up and makes what is it the the joke he makes like Reverend heal thyself yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh he gets up and he gives that whole speech and then the line of people start to come up to he calls for for those that want to be healed and I think he talks about that he in that one day he cures migraines arthritis a crooked arm that someone has and claims to have healed a tumor and clears a woman's cataracts, like all these miracles. And by the end of it, Jacobs is just exhausted. Like he looks like he can barely stay standing. And then that's when Hugh Yates runs out of the tent, like trying not to scream and vomits everywhere. What'd you guys think of that? (laughs) Everything is ants. (laughs) (laughs) The first half of this book we talked about is great. It's really good. And this point you're like, oh, real crazy stuff is starting to happen. I am 100% in. Uh, Hugh Yates, who had the prismatics uh, as his after effect, after he was healed, they come rushing back and he sees the tent, everyone in the tent as these horrific ant-like creatures. Uh, Even Jamie turns to look at him and he's vomiting this acidic slime and he has all the all the colors are around them yeah and it's like oh oh shit things are gonna get real now this is the last thing for like a hundred (laughs) pages it drives me insane yeah but what we get in its place is this all this research that jamie and um forgetting her yeah all the research that they're doing together is really fascinating and the list that they compile of people that Jacobs has healed and what's happened to them is really cool. Let's let's go ahead and talk about Jamie and Bree. Yeah. Because I just made a note, a la Ben's note from Salem's Lot, gross. Because Jamie is 53 years old and uh, Bree is Totally 24 fine. Years old. <laughs> I have no problem with their relationship. You seem it's super cool with it. Because she doesn't act like a, a child. That's she seems like a full grown woman who knows what she wants, an adult, and she can handle herself. But why is this necessary to the story? What <laughs> don't think it purpose is. <laughs> does this serve other than King going, old guys? Old guys are cool. But it does serve a purpose because they're bonded in this research they do. And then when she's kind of getting more into it and figuring out what Jacobs is and what he's doing and her mom comes in and she's telling him, hey, leave her out of this. And then she goes off and we're kind of jumping ahead here. But then something later, something very tragic and horrible happens Mm. and it completely destroys their relationship. And at this point, it's more of a friendship because she... had remarried married someone, yeah. But I think it I think that relationship is in there to build that connection for us to feel with Jamie, to give him something. Another thing to lose in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I see that. It's just it could have just as easily been like I have this character, this younger woman who helps me research stuff. It could have just been that. Had did not need 
a, a sexual or romantic angle. And in fact, I think it kind of detracts from another kind of problem I have with this book. Uh, what should have been, I felt, a major, major relationship in this book between Jamie and Astrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But later in the book, when Astrid re-enters the story, there's nothing. Oh, you're bringing us to an argument I want to have at the end. Okay, we'll, we'll <laughs> okay. get there. It's because it's not about Astrid. It's about his curiosity. It, that's true. Sure. I, that's I can agree true. with that. Sometimes, Ben, people just fall in love. <laughs> uh, okay. Maybe I'm being unfair. Uh, maybe. Well, they so they're going through all of the, the cures they can research, searching, and they're searching through obituaries for anybody, uh, any tragic turns in any of these cures. Uh, they organize them. Uh, the, the way they categorize them, his cures are utter bullshit, probable bullshit, impossible to be sure, hard not to believe. <laughs> I love that categorizing system. I want to bring that into my own life. But the most shocking one was that the uh, Robert Rivert, who is the guy he cured of muscular dystrophy, is now living uh, semi-catatonic in, uh, in a mental hospital where he spends basically his whole day facing the corner. And then that is when they start going through the effects that similar to what he had of the, the stabbing his forearm, like those trigger effects that keep happening. And while not everybody is experiencing them, some of them are pretty severe. We have, there's um, there a guy who was walking compulsively, someone who was eating dirt, someone who threw salt in their eyes. To blind themselves. herself. That, that, oh, was, that was insane. <laughs> that yeah. one freaked me out. But then Kathy Morse jumped off a bridge. This is coming back to when we talked about the portraits and lightning. Kathy Morse is the girl that Jamie saw him bring on stage as a volunteer to get her portrait taken. And that's the first innocent person because all those other people were cured of something. Mm-hmm. He pulled her out and did this to her. And, and who knows how many others because he worked the the portraits and lightning shy for who knows how long True. and took pictures of probably hundreds of people which man that is a thought that i wish i had kept in my head sooner i would not have been blindsided towards the end of this book if i had (laughs) (laughs) well now we at the end of all this research uh brie and jamie are they reach the end of their relationship she's going to new york to start her life and he is going also to new york They, they found where jacobs is except for now he is daniel charles and he's living in uh, the Latches in New York. The laziest, laziest <laughs> <It> really <is>. disguise. <laughs> like, what? Okay, wait a minute. Try I, a little harder, man. Given my pseudonym, I have to come to his defense. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, then you're MC Alexander, and then you're just a <laughs> DJ. Oh, MC Alexander? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, we find out that Jacobs has stopped touring. He stopped healing. And Jamie knows in his heart of hearts that it's because he he's moved on to something bigger. And if it's something bigger, it's something more dangerous. So he knows, even though he stopped doing what he was doing and hurting people that way, he can't not go. He's going to be forced into conflict with his fifth business once again. And when he gets there, he pulls up to, to the latches and... Who is it? Al Al Stamper is because yeah. that's his assistant at the time. Tries to make him go away, and when he says who he is, 
he hears Jacob's voice and invites him in. And we see how he's living now. Then he comes out and now this character that every time we've seen him, he's gotten a little worse, is now 70 years old. Which in a book like this, where we go through the span of like, you know, Jamie is six when the book mm-hmm. starts. I sometimes I lose track of how old people should be. Mm-hmm. So when I'm reading it, there, <laughs> I still have that image in my head. And when he describes him as he's limping with a cane and his hair's all white and that he's 70 years old, I was like, oh, God, I have to readjust this image because <laughs> it's way sadder. I still see Jamie as a six year old. I can see your point, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> OK, what did you guys think of when Jamie and... Jacobs sit down and they they have that that confrontation. I was kind of with Jacobs until he totally lost his minds and said, (laughs) (laughs) So what was that? (laughs) Neutrons are sexy. Electricity is dull. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's he's complaining that scientific research is not where it should be. And everybody's focused on this when they're ignoring this majesty of the secret electricity. Yeah. That, I was uh, like, dude is crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this brings me to my main problem. The biggest thing that drives me crazy is the whole idea. The whole premise of secret electricity is dumb. Am I, is that just me? I think it might be. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. It's <laughs> oh, like, I, I don't think about, Secret electricity being any more unfathomable than the abilities of Pennywise. Like sure. these are these are all things that in in especially in a King book in a King universe, if you tell me something is the way it is, mm. then I just I just accept it. It's see, I'm a c- completely agree with most things, but the whole premise of secret electricity, the whole thing with Charles Jacobs is he's like, I'm a man of science, damn it. Electricity is magic. All right, when you put it like that. (laughs) It's crazy. And like, if they would have leaned into like, when he finally finds out that Jacobs has been uh, experimenting with this ancient evil grimoire, which, did you guys catch it? It's the same book from Salem's Lot. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, Devermis Mysteries. Yeah, the the worm. Crazy coincidence. (laughs) It is a crazy coincidence. I... Uh, I guys, is it the was same so book? Excited. Like, the like same the copy? same copy? Oh, yeah, very well like, could be. This is revival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were no vampires in this one um, that we know of. Shit. Okay, but going but, back uh, to to secret electricity, he likens it to like black matter or dark. I mean, dark matter. So, but thinking, that's still like science. Scientists I, I aren't know. like dark matter. Science, but it's it's a field of science that no one cares about anymore. So all he has left is to think of it as a sort of magic, and that's where his contempt is coming in for the scientific community because it is science, but they're not treating it as such. And I think and that fair. I would rather it go this way than be bogged down by a chapter and a half of Jacobs trying to explain. The details, because he also knows, like, explaining it to Jamie is useless because mm-hmm. Jamie doesn't care. Like, Jamie doesn't care the same way. True. We're in Jamie's like, shoes. Uh, yeah. Like the quote from near the end when the ex- final experiment is happening. Oh, no, it's uh, later at the end with Astrid, 
where Jamie says, it suddenly occurs to me that three people in this room are idiots and one of them is insane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I can buy into that. I'm going to fix it for you. I don't know. I can't I, make it fit it, in my it head. It works for me because he was a very religious person. He was a pastor. So you've still got that, like he sort of flipped sides in a way. Okay. But he's he's calling it science, but he's kind of turned, you know, dark, I guess, if you want to think of it like light versus dark, good versus evil, preacher versus magician. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now but, that's the name of a book. <laughs> preacher I'm versus sorry. magician. I mean, preach versus magician. <laughs> no, but I know where he got the book. Oh, what? He he went to the club. Just listen to this. Wait, what? what? Yes. No. No, Jacob's wait, what? got the book from the club. Because he's talking about, you know, all this like scientific research and stuff. Mm. And here's what he says. There's an unfound door at the back leading to chambers few people have ever seen. One's filled with objects of unearthly beauty. And there's no end to those chambers. Sound like the club to you guys? And he is in New York where the. Oh, God. Oh, my that's amazing. My brain broke. What? <laughs> wait, what? What? That wait, what? Awesome. The context of that quote? That's right after when he's talking about how electricity ain't sexy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's his segue. So he's saying electricity is the equivalent of a dusty storage room. And then he goes into, right. there's this you know place where there are all these secret chambers and there are beautiful things behind these doors and nobody gives a crap about it but me because everyone's stupid. And that's why he has so much contempt. I love that's, that. That's headcanon now. That's, that's amazing. 100%. So at the end of all this, all, at the end of all of this confrontation, Jacobs basically says, we're not done. So I, I, there's still something more I need to do. And you're going to help me do it. Because uh, my assistant now is going to be not on board. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to pay you triple what you're getting paid. You come do this all this work with me and like, we're going to do this, this big thing together. And Jamie's like, Nope. <laughs> just And I, this is the part where I thought, I feel like Jamie came on way too hard in his confrontation with Jacobs Two the two reasons being that Jacobs point about the tragedy of, of Kathy Morse is tragic, but it was also 16 years apart. Who knows what could have happened? There isn't, no definitive connection that that is what caused it. But then the other thing is that at the end, before he leaves, he accuses him. He says, you're taking revenge on these broken people because you can't take revenge on God. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> dude, that's that's brutal. Jamie is acting a little more on instinct than anything else, because I think he sees something dark and scary in what Jacobs is telling him. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't understand it, but he doesn't need to, like we said, because he's his instinct is warning him away from this. And at this point, he's been cured. So maybe that has something to do with his aversion to all of this. Maybe there's something in him that he's not conscious of that's warning him off. Um, but I thought it was interesting. This kind of goes back to Salem's Lot, too, because he's challenging Jacob, saying, okay, assuming what you're saying is true, do you understand how this works, what you're dealing with? And that's the part that's really scaring Jamie. And so he asks him, okay, that's a fair question. And let me pose another one. Do you understand what happens when you turn on your light switch? Do you not do it? And it reminded me of Dr. Cody talking about aspirin and magic. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of weird. I, I thought about this a little bit that there's almost when you think about the the like themes of the book, did you guys get a weird anti-science message from this book? Because in this early, this middle part of the book, yeah, uh, Jacobs makes some good points that he's like, I mean, yeah, I'm doing something that is misunderstood, that might be a little dangerous. Yes, some people have had adverse side effects. But hey, testing medicine has adverse side effects too. But if you'll check the statistics, my average of people helped versus people hurt is better than the average of, like, some neuroscience. So, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's a pretty fucking good point. The whole book, Jamie's like, nah, this is bad. And then when we, at the end, we find out, oh, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> oh, it's real bad. It's yeah, real I, bad. I don't think it's against science. I think it's against, it's against religion because his the science at this point has become his religion to such a overzealous point that he's destroying for it. He's bringing, he's willing to bring something over into this world just to satisfy curiosity that I think Jamie rightly points out was going to be satisfied fairly soon, no matter what he did. Right. But like, I mean, so, okay, then it's anti-curiosity, the basis of science, I would argue. It's anti, it's anti-zealot, over-religious fanaticism. Uh, I, I definitely read it as like, at the end of the book, Jamie's like, I didn't, you know, there's uh, he comes into some money at the end of the book. It's kind of a a side point, but uh, there could have been more. And he's like, I didn't ask what happened to it. Too much information can hurt is could be bad for you. I know that now. That's that's kind of a uh, like ah, you don't need to know stuff. It could, it could be. <laughs> The stuff you can find out is bad. But he knows everything. He knows more than anyone else on the earth knows. Well, sure. Yeah. So I think that's more him. I took it as more of him not wanting to know these other things because he's had enough knowledge. He's Yeah. Well, I think you're looking at it from more of a, a character. Okay. Let's lighten this up by talking about Jamie's homecoming. Jamie comes home for his brother Terry's 35th wedding anniversary and his grandniece's first birthday. And I thought that homecoming was exactly what this point of the story needed. It was something light. It was it was a return to happy Jamie memories. Because the whole family's there. We meet Khan and uh, Khan's partner that he brought home with him. And he gets to hold his grandniece. And it, like she just is 100% in love with Jamie the moment he picks her up and we, we get, we get the family back. Like we get the first half of the story, Jamie back a little bit. One of the, I, I did not see this coming despite the fact that they were back in their hometown, but we get a surprise reunion of the Chrome roses. What'd you guys think of that whole, <laughs> that party scene of, of uh, Jamie's history coming back? It, it was, it was fine. It was, I liked the little uh, slice of life parts um, his interactions with his niece are adorable. It's great. Did you think that the niece should have been Astrid? That there would have been way more Wait, at stake. What? Okay, I said that wrong. <laughs> but, 
Should he have <laughs> no, been no, in no, love no, with no, his no, yeah, no, no, no. Let's... No, um, at the very end, some, Astrid comes back into the picture and there's something at stake there. And we're relying on his, you know, she being his first love to bring okay. him back into the picture. I see. But I, I didn't, that was a thing that I didn't quite buy. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but they haven't, there's nothing really there. They haven't yeah. built anything there for Completely us. Completely agree with I that. had thought after all this bonding with the niece and how she didn't want to let him go and she, it was just such this like tender great moment that something was going to happen to the niece and that's how he was going to get involved mm. with Jacob's oh family. okay there would have been a lot yeah. of stake there yeah I agree with that in my head I started <laughs> the conversation but I, I actually vocalized like midway through yes. this <laughs> you guys didn't get that you were in here with me <laughs> Uh, no, I completely agree with that. Which is why you can make the argument that it was more about his curiosity than her. Oh, but we yeah. do get a payoff with the niece a little bit. <laughs> oh, uh, can it be so a payoff that's depressing? Yeah, of, course it, of course it can be a payoff. Because you, you get, like, it's barely a chapter of emotional investment in a character we're only going to see one more time. And it's going to be the saddest reconnect uh, probably in this book. Uh, so in the winter, Jamie gets uh, a letter and there are two letters in this envelope and it's there. It's from Jacobs. The letter says that he needs Jamie's help and that the letter inside the letter is going to guarantee he gets it. And the letter enclosed is a letter from Astrid writing to Jacob saying that she has cancer and she is going to die. And her friend was cured and her friend has encouraged her to reach out because it's it's the last thing. It's the only hope. And then Jacobs basically is like, you're going to want to call me now uh, because if you don't help me out, I'll let her die. And I'm fine with that. But you're not going to be fine with that. So what do you say? And this is where I was going to ask, is this a guy thing? Because as a lady, I just wish all the anyone, the very few people I have ever dated would disappear stop existing <laughs> if they wouldn't mind so much that would be great <laughs> so if someone um, was like oh i've got your blah 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 i'd be like okay <laughs> <Awesome> <laughs> <things>. <laughs> well and i think i think that astrid one one we know we've had this conversation a couple times that uh for stephen king that your first or just sex in general really connects and this is first love and uh, the that connection is is strong, and they parted ways very amicably and just went upon their their own lives. And I imagine that if you have a such a strong first love that doesn't end in any negative way, that there's a part of you that probably has a fondness. I guess I married mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Uh, Jamie's connection to Astrid is i don't know because from his whole life is astrid not only his first love but like his only love yeah he does say that he dated as an adult yeah before and after brie so yeah he he does never say anything strong about it like if he can just gloss over those relationships which then maybe it's not extra weird that when he finally meets astrid he's like there's nothing i feel nothing for this woman I guess I hate being like beaten over the head with things, but this is an instance where I wish King would have said, and she was my first love and I never loved 
you know, again, quite yeah. like that. Jamie doesn't really seem to have strong feelings about anything. He, he He's got strong feelings about Jacobs. Yeah. Jacobs is his true love. Jacobs is his obsession as much as he the secret his... lightning is Jacobs' yeah. obsession. He saved his life. He gives him a reason to keep going. He gives him a reason not to kill himself later because of what he knows. Yeah, no, I, but I, I get what you're saying because I also had moments where I, all I could think was, man, Jamie's really showing a lot of apathy with stuff that's going on. But yeah. I also think that some of that is because we are reading a story told like in an autobiography like that. He he is telling this. I think he is purposely telling the story with some disconnect. Yeah. And I think part of that is because if he didn't, maybe he'd be too emotional. That's me reading into a lot of... Maybe he's trying to be more objective. Yeah. This book should have been 200 pages longer. I (laughs) firmly disagree (laughs) with that sentiment. (laughs) It depends. Uh, If it could have been 200 pages longer of the next to last chapter, I would agree. Sure. It was more... When I think about King's earlier works and how much time he takes with them and how long some of them are. Mm. I kind of missed that for this. It's like, you know, where's that extra like 200 pages of just stuff? <laughs> no, I, I, I miss it. <laughs> Can we get a full chapter on that security guard that he pulls up to in the very front? There was Who's no eating a sandwich? internal monologue for that guy. <laughs> Who knows what his mama's like? <laughs> Who knows anything his mama said? <laughs> Jamie arrives at the what is the the place called at this point are they still at the latches or are they at goat mountain goat mountain it's the place that it used to be a country club uh, that jamie uh references a couple times where it's where connie got his voice uh lost his voice Mm -hmm. and he pulls up and he shows up to find out that astrid is already there he was not expecting anyone to be there but he he gets there and jacobs basically tells him that we're gonna put you up in a room we're going to we're gonna have dinner and then you'll get to see astrid but we're just gonna give you some time to settle in we need to talk because we need to talk about what we're going to do and jamie notices that he he makes comment about his, his grin because we find out that jacobs has had two Two more strokes. He'd had. A, he'd already had another stroke. So this is his third or fourth stroke, and they've all been minor, but they've all been leaving lasting damage on him. And you can tell how frail he is getting. And they sit down to dinner, and he says that they still have. They have. They have cameras, and he can see Astrid. He's. I'm, he's not going to let them in the same room together, but I will let you see her before we actually see her. And shows him to the monitor room. And the first thing he sees when he looks at Astrid, he describes her. Astrid was a crone in a wheelchair. So romantic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something. <laughs> the, and this also, the, the deal, what it comes down to is the deal is if I cure her, you have to come back and help me. Like, this isn't the final thing I'm working on, but I'm in those stages. If I cure her you come back and help me. And then after that, we're done. Mm -hmm. But you have to guarantee that we'll do this. And Jamie sees the state she's in and he says, there's no possible way she's 
frail and not responsive. There's no possible way he can cure her. So he makes the deal. He makes okay, the this deal. This is the dream. Yep. He yeah. makes the deal. And that night he has a dream that he's uh, back at the dance where he had met Astrid. Yep. And they're young and she's smoking and blowing smoke in his mouth. Uh, gross. That's that is super hot, that... and I won't hear another thing. Oh my god! <laughs> he goes in to kiss her, and when he pulls back, she's old and rotting, and uh, she says, "Mother is coming. Uh, she'll be here soon." That's so cool. <laughs> this is the shit that I want. This is two hundred more pages of this. <laughs> yes, of, completely of progressively agree. more dramatic nightmares. And... Yes, just the subtle nightmarish quality of the things she says because this is also she says she's uh i'm trying to remember the exact quote she's waiting in the ruined city under the oh no uh above the ruined city above the paper sky that's fucking terrifying (laughs) yeah it is and uh he wakes up just in a fucking cold sweat and stabbing himself again that's With right. A pen. Yeah. yeah. For the first time in so many years, he's stabbing himself again. All right, let's talk about the cure, like about the when he cures Astrid. What a jerk. <laughs> he, <laughs> he acts like a jerk throughout the whole thing. He well, it's because he doesn't care about the cure. No, like he doesn't care yeah. about putting on the show. Like Jenny, who he cured before, knows him from the revival. That is where she went to get cured. So she is expecting the rings. She's expecting the the religion, the showmanship. And he has gone past the point of giving a fuck about any of that. Yeah, he doesn't even like try to put it on for them. He tells her, like, this isn't what that's about. Yeah, and the, he doesn't even use the rings anymore. He has, he has different tools now. He has these, like, two rods that he puts uh, against her temples. And is basically like, all right, you uh, hold her down and we're just we're going to go ahead and let's do this thing. Like you're it gives Jamie a slider and is like, you're going to hear these clicks. Some stuff's going to happen, but she will be cured. And there's a very brief, brief back and forth where Astrid recognizes Jamie and they have a, a little talk. But it it seems the second the conversation started happening, I was like, she's not going to remember this. Like she's yeah. <laughs> like she her conversation is almost that that dreamlike of it just shows how ill she is yeah she stopped eating at this point so she is ready to die basically yeah so they they start the treatment and her body just starts like seizing like she's like shaking and almost knocks jenny off of her i love that everyone is freaking out like grabbing her holding like it's too much whatever and jacob's like it's cancer. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> it takes it takes a minute. And he's just super cool. Yeah. And that's when she starts talking and she says there's a door in the wall and you can't see it. It's small and covered with ivy and then goes into that. You the know, there's the dead. Yeah. And he asks and Ooh. she says that, yeah, who who was waiting behind the door? She grins and says, not the one that you want. Okay. Did you? Goosebumps. <laughs> Goosebumps. <laughs> Obviously, at this point. I thought, like, okay, he's he wants to bring his wife through some yes, portal, yeah. some gateway Obviously. from the land of the dead to the land of the living. Revival. The book is fucking called Revival. <laughs> it is so obvious. And this is another minor complaint I have that, okay, at what point in the book did you guys go, oh, yeah, that's obviously his goal. 
Like, every time Jamie shows up, he's like, what are you trying to do? And he's like, I'm not telling. He's trying to bring people back from the dead. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> well, and then I I thought that for a minute, but then I kind of lost that when um, just a little bit of time passes and we find out that the kid that he healed of muscular dystrophy, mm-hmm. one yeah. of the first ones, he died and he left a note saying, I can't stop seeing the damned. The line stretches forever. And I thought that when they're talking about, you know, mother is coming, that, I don't know, this seems stupid in retrospect. <laughs> I thought all the dead mothers were going to come back at the end. That it was going to be Jamie's mom, Patsy. Would have made as much other sense moms. as <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of moms. <laughs> yeah. Like, but not in a good way and like a really creepy, yeah, scary, like bad way. <laughs> the monkey's paw, which is referenced yeah. in yeah. the book. Yeah. I, but still, like, it's, it drove me crazy that there are so many instances, the whole, when he goes to visit Jacobs in the Latches that we talked about. In my opinion, that whole segment could have been cut. Because yeah. nothing, he doesn't accomplish anything. It just uh, shoves nothing them, it serves advanced. to shove them farther apart. Well, he, yeah, he tells him what the secret electricity is, though. I mean, he goes into kind of that whole explanation. As yeah. much of the explanation as we'll get. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Well, and, I, and this is the first this cure with Astrid is the first time that Jamie has seen what he does to people in that time that they can't remember after the treatment because everybody yeah. that has that cure has that blank space where Jacobs is like we talked for a bit and then mm-hmm. now you're back but he says it super casually like oh you know we didn't say anything apparently they said some shit though <laughs> right and and that's he he's using them to get glimpses of this other yeah, side. He's getting information. Every time he does one of these things, he makes he finds a stronger or, or better way to do it, hoping it'll connect them more so that he can figure out what he can do to to make it permanent. After this, Jamie returns home and Jacob says, "I'm holding you to the deal. I will call you when I'm ready." A couple months pass. It's July and Jacob said, we will be done with each other forever by the end of August. Like, that's it. Another section of the book, they could have just gotten to the point. Like, why did he have to leave and then come back again? They could have just been like, well, I've cured Astrid. Now let's let's, let's get started. Let's do the thing. Well, what was holding him back? Why wasn't he? Oh, he was waiting for a big storm, like the perfect storm. He was waiting for the storm, sure. and I also don't think he had uh, his but, subject yet. And uh, he had to... Have his headband. He ended up having to, you know, use the relationship with Astrid to get Jenny there. Mm-hmm. And had to get all those other pieces lined up. Which, I'm not saying you're wrong, because you are <laughs> right, that, like, the, it could have been, like, a yeah. week later. It could have been, like, stay here, we're going to move on, and Jamie could have just stayed in the the resort for another month instead of going all the way to Denver. It was just a a matter of book. You're just, you're just wasting time until we get to the good part. So let's get to the good part. Uh, Jamie comes back. Uh, He finally gets that call from Jacobs comes back to the resort. Um, Jacobs has had yet another stroke and he is barely holding on. He's fired all the other staff. The only staff now. uh, Oh, he didn't fire them. They got scared and ran. Oh, no, I mean, like, the guard. Like he, oh, oh, he, oh, yeah. He, like, basically, yeah, the, the <laughs> other two Everyone else got scared after Astrid's. Yeah. Yeah. He sees that Jenny's car's there, so he assumes that Astrid's there, and he's like, if she's in there, I'm fucking gone. I'm beating bricks. And he says, no, uh, she's doing something else, uh, but you are going to be 
uh, taking care of me. You're going to be making my meals. You're going to, you know, help me take showers. You're going to be my caretaker uh, until the time. And it was, again, Jamie being very dull of like, I'd go to his room and I could hear the weather channel. <laughs> and then when I knocked, it would turn off and I had no idea why. Why would this guy that I've known my entire life to be obsessed with electricity be watching the weather <laughs> in this place next to a uh, lightning rod that I know exists. Uh, the note I made was, it's taking Jamie a painfully long time to put this together because they also reference when he comes back that he looks out his bedroom window and, and can see the the sky top and yeah. can see the rod. And I'm like, Jamie, <laughs> come on, so, buddy. Huh, I wonder what that means. He needed it to be... A heat wave, and he's been listening to the Weather Channel. Like, what? What do you think, buddy? You've been around this for a while. Uh, so we we have some like day to day stuff. Uh, he he catches Jenny. He hasn't seen her this whole time, but knows she's there. Uh, hears her in the kitchen stealing <laughs> eggs, like you do. <laughs> but it just it established like okay, she is here. She's just doing something, and that she made a deal. She cannot tell him. Mm-hmm. Like there's not like yeah. whatever their deal is, she is not allowed to give him any information. Finally, the day they're waiting for comes upon them. The phone conversation that he overhears, Jamie overhears, and I, I want to know what you guys thought about this. He overhears Jacob Z yelling into the phone, "She won't go until I'm ready. You make sure of that. That's what I'm paying you for." We know now what that is in reference to. What did you think it was in reference to when he first? I assumed that he was use, he was making Astrid keep Jenny there. And that was Astrid calling, demanding that she come home because it's taken a long time. That's a good guess. I knew what was happening. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember what I had thought the first time. Sure. I was with yeah. CM, though. That's what I thought. I was just, mm-hmm. I thought it was more like kind of blackmail, yeah. basically. Like, I thought that, uh, that Astrid had kind of sold Jenny out a little bit uh, because of her gratefulness. <laughs> But uh, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. <laughs> so Jacobs tells Jamie, like he he's like, uh, we have a couple of, the storm is coming, but we have uh, about an hour where I can now tell you everything I could have been telling you over the past couple of days. <laughs> and then yeah. we need to get somewhere fast. And drives me insane. <laughs> do, you, do you think he did that? Because he was afraid if Jamie knew the truth, he'd lose him. That's the only thing that makes sense. Because, yeah, it's it's very much like if he would have said right at the outset, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go full Frankenstein. I've got a dead girl. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've and got... you're the key, and without you, I can't do it. <laughs> right. Which is insane. Like, okay, we'll get to there. it. Uh, he, said he talks about Mary Faye, who is somebody that he hired investigators to track down, somebody who had... A disease that was incurable. And mad, mad cow, cow disease. disease. Yeah, which yeah. is crazy. Like, what a weird... Like, that's the incurable disease, is mad cow disease. He says that he's been waiting his whole life for this person, for, for this ailment in a person to present itself. And that he isn't after the... What he says, the lightning isn't even the largest power that it feeds something greater. And he is going to use the lightning to tap into that something greater. And it's all so very cryptic on this, on this trip down. We get to the cabin 
that where that the, the building that stands where the cabin used to be, uh, where Astrid and Jamie lost their virginities to each other on a gross mattress, <laughs> and it's it all this comes is where full Jenny's circle. Been. Yeah, full gross full circle, goddamn <laughs> circle. Jacobs is just so fucking casual as they're, you know, the, st- the storm's coming. For somebody who's like, this is everything I've been waiting my whole life for, he's like, let's have a drink, let's have a toast, let's do this. And, like, Jenny wants no part of it. But the the thing that I thought was uh, really cool was that he, when Jenny leaves the room and they have their drink, that J- uh, Jacob says that, like, we're here because we're curious. She's here because she's paying the debt of a loved one we all can't be that noble and then slams his drink and i'm like fuck yeah bro <laughs> like you are 100 percent correct because jamie doesn't really have a reason to be here he, he does his own cure like his curiosity is what's going to keep him here and before they go in the room he's like by the way there's a gun in the top shelf of that bureau if you need to use the gun don't even question it just get the gun and use it. Which is a real bad sign. Yeah. Like, yeah. Someone tells you that. Uh, I'm not sticking around. Right. This is the point where he says, in the other room, is this uh, Mary Faye. Yep. She's been dead for 15 minutes. What did you guys think about Mary Faye? Here's my issue. You can see the end goal coming a mile away. Obviously, his end goal is to bring someone back to life. And it drives me crazy that in the end, the final cure, the the final experiment, the culmination of these two characters' entire lives lands on a random nobody that we got introduced to five pages ago. Did that bother you guys? Here's what I thought the first time. I didn't know how, but I expected what you said earlier, CM. He was going to try to bring his wife and child back from the dead. Mm-hmm. That's what makes sense narratively. Like, we spend the whole first half of the book is all about that. That's the emotional crux of the story. It's what turns Jacobs into the lunatic lunatic that he is now. It's what breaks him. Why? Uh, that that drove me kind of nuts. I don't know. It does something interesting, though, having that. Because I thought about this a lot, too, and how he, it seems like his wife and child's death was this catalyst, turned him from preach to magician <laughs> <laughs> slash mad scientist. And it made me think, okay, so what would have happened? What would have Jacob's life and his marriage and his job have had been like? Because he was, at that point, when everything was fine, when Jamie was six and they first met, he was already on that path. He was already talking weird about electricity. It was already in there. I feel like his story would have ended this way no matter what. And it wasn't, I realized at the end, it wasn't to bring them back. Sure, he wanted to glimpse them through the keyhole. He wanted to see what was on the other side, but more to satisfy his curiosity than for his family. Because I think he would have ended up sacrificing everything, including them, in this pursuit, even if they had lived and he had kept his job. That's interesting. He would have continued to pursue his true religion, 
I disagree, though. That is dark. Yeah. (laughs) I I disagree. Because, yes, while Patsy and uh, Maury were still alive, he was already doing these experiments. But there wasn't the evil edge to it. I I don't think he could have, he would have gone this far. I think with his family, he maybe would have continued pursuing electricity, but he wouldn't have had anything to push him over the edge. I think he uh, still would have found something, though. Whether it was healing people, maybe that would have still ended up being the thing, or something mm-hmm. else would have happened, and I think it would have driven a wedge between him and his family. I, I agree with you there. I feel like mm. if even if it wasn't this tragic death, that something eventually would have driven them apart or like made made Patsy mm-hmm. feel like it wasn't safe. Yeah. And he's content because he has contempt for everything and everyone, not just God because he took away his wife and son, but just people because they don't place importance on the things that he places importance on. But and, that didn't come about until after their deaths. The the he, contempt but I, th- I think he was on up. I think that contempt was always there and it would have come through even if they had been alive. It would have been it would have come about in a different way for a different reason. But I think he still would have developed that contempt as he was pursuing his scientific endeavors and sacrificing Hmm. things. And I I think it still would have happened. The town already had rumors about Patsy being being a drunk and like how how kind do you think he would have been to that after so long and. If he'd been experimenting more, the town would have probably started saying things about him. And it like just things would have escalated because of his obsession, I think, anyway. Hmm. It might not have turned out this exact way, but something terrible probably would have happened. I don't think he would have gone to the lengths of getting uh, an evil grimoire, but <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So let's talk about what happens. The the new device that Jacobs has is a is a headband. And when lightning strikes the pole, it glows. And he has no and Jamie has no idea why it glows. And this is when Jacobs tells him that Jamie has to be here for this. Because the entire point, what is going to open this door, is that the electrical energy is the road to the secret electricity that is inside Jamie. It has never left Jamie, which is why he still has these uh, the dreams, why he still does the stabbing, like all these after effects. He still has it inside him. And that energy is going to then channel into this headband. And it is going to bring Mary Fay back to life. In other words, Jamie is the key master. Yes. And Mary Fay is the gatekeeper. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Ghostbusters. It's yes. Ghost, yeah, it's <laughs> Ghostbusters. Uh, so the they put the headband on, lightning strikes, and shit goes, shit goes crazy. Bad. Uh, fast. Okay. So the lightning strikes and the headband lights up, and Jenny, arguably the only one who has a correct response. Right. <laughs> she gets the hell out of there. And Jacob starts shaking Mary Faye, telling her to wake up, and then she starts to hum. Dr. Frankenstein (laughs) is losing his shit. He's grinning like a madman, yelling, she lives, demanding to know where she's been. And then Mary Fay opens her eyes. But they aren't human eyes. They're mother's eyes. 
and her head begins to pulse and her eyes turn from blue to lavender and purple and indigo and she starts to smile and the smile keeps getting wider and wider and it's inhumanly wide. She grabs Jacob's wrist and he starts to fall and that's when Jamie grabs his hand and as soon as he makes that physical connection, all three of them are connected and something happens. At the, at the second that the lightning strikes this pole at sky top, the sound of every person that Jacobs has ever cured, who has ever been touched by his secret electricity, goes off screaming in Jamie's head. And he says if it had lasted even 10 seconds, he would have went insane. So awesome. (laughs) So then the room fades away and Jamie realizes that it was just an illusion. This world, his world is an illusion. And he describes our world as being as flimsy as an old nylon stocking. And the true world was behind it. And that world is described as a barren landscape with the remains of a ruined city rising to a black sky punched with howling stars. And he sees this long row of naked humans, old, young babies, and they're stretching all the way to the horizon with these expressions of blank horror on their faces. And there are these ant creatures. And when a human stumbles, they pounce on them and they bite and they tear. But there isn't any blood because all the humans are dead. And Jamie realizes that the howling stars aren't stars. They're holes And the old ones are behind them, and they're howling and powerful and insane. And there's this light. Unending light. Dead light. Yeah! (laughs) The dead lights. Doesn't say that, but But come on. It's the dead lights. So we find out that the ants serve the old ones, and the humans serve the ants. And Jamie's thinking, he's watching all this, and he's thinking about Patsy and Maury and mostly Claire and how... She's in that marching line somewhere serving those ants and she deserved heaven and she got this instead. And this, this is what everyone gets because this is the afterlife. Oh God. So Jamie starts to scream no over and over. And that's when the sky starts to tear open and mother's coming through to yank Jamie up. And he sees this insane light with these colors that aren't supposed to be seen by mortals. And he says the colors were alive and he could feel them crawling on him. He rips himself from Jamie's grasp and it all disappears. The illusion is broken. And, and one of the things no, Jamie says that has he... come back because our <laughs> world is the illusion. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. So all of the nightmare stuff disappears. <laughs> well, except Mary. <laughs> Just So Jacob, he's asking her where, you know, where's, Patsy and Maury, he's asking for his family. And mother tells him that they have gone to serve the great ones in the null. No death, no light, no rest. And it, fuck. God, it's so terrifying. Charlie frees himself and collapses. It Then it turns its attention to go for Jamie. And Jamie stops this elder god by shooting it with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> with just four shots even. Yeah. He's like, I don't know how this gun got in my hand, but I know I got the gun. And he shoots, not the creature, but he shoots Mary's body. The creature withdraws into Mary's body and he closes his eyes and he screams until he cannot physically scream anymore. He 
makes his way eventually outside and thinks that how death would be the preferable option to having this knowledge. But the only thing that stops him is from going back and like shooting himself in the head is that he now knows what is on the other side. Which and he blacks out. This is the bleakest ending to any Stephen King book I've ever read. Because the whole book is about death. Each character, his family slowly dies. All of his all of these people dying and him getting older. And it's kind of like him facing, he he is constantly talking about how, you know, every person owes a life. Everyone's gonna die. And in this moment, he learns, I'm gonna die. Can't be helped. And when I do, fucking mother's waiting. Here is why I disagree Mm. that it is bullshit. If that had killed him in that moment, Mm. none of the rest of this would have happened. And it's because he was there opening the door that every other cured person in the next so many years killed themselves or killed a loved one and then themselves. He, if he had died then, maybe Jacobs wouldn't have been able to perform this final thing and open the door that led everyone else to to kill themselves. Sure, but he still would have ended up right. everyone. But he would have, yeah, but he would have spared all those other people from the madness that like, cause he inflicted the madness he went through on all of those people. Sure. And so maybe, th- and maybe that's cause I, I thought the same thing as you of like, it doesn't matter cause you go there anyway. But mm-hmm. so the, the only rational I can think of is that what he experienced, cause he refers to it as having a piece of his sanity amputated mm-hmm. that he knows that because he did that every single person has now had that piece of sanity amputated before they killed someone they loved and then themselves. Mm-hmm. So I guess he he could have given them a few more years. Yeah. And a less in painful ending. Yeah. Okay. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but essentially he he sets up Jacob's body with the gun in his hand, fires off a shot, so when someone finds the scene, it'll look like he just killed someone and then had a heart attack and died. And that uh, all of those people, everybody who was cured slowly, they just went mad. They started experiencing. He assumes they saw the world also. Mm-hmm. And uh, Astrid killed Jenny when she got home, then killed herself. Hugh Yates called Georgia in and strangled Georgia before killing himself, which is how Jamie got all that money. And then we find out, that the reason he's at this psychiatric hospital in Hawaii isn't because he's close to family. It, it is because he's close to family, but it's because Khan is now semi-catatonic <laughs> in this hospital. But And that proves that all those years ago... He that, was tapping into that secret lightning, which, which we actually, were wrong about. <laughs> yeah, which actually does go to prove your your theory my that, really dark theory <laughs> yeah that maybe he would have gone mm-hmm. down this dark road regardless here's the thing that i thought was interesting is the the book after khan is cured goes out of its way to like khan sings he he shouts he's loud he he talks all the time and he's so happy and now he doesn't talk mm-hmm. like he is responsive mm-hmm. like he smiles but now like 
the gift the cure gave him, he's now just shut it back down and he will likely never speak again. I thought that was a really interesting way to bookend the tragedy of Khan's story. And children now hate Jamie. Yeah, this is something, yeah, his niece, uh, when he goes to visit Terry and his family, his niece, who loved him so much, is uh, screaming in terror. Possibly because she can see his aura like babies can in the book Insomnia. God damn, we got to read Insomnia, guys. <laughs> Let's read Insomnia. All right. And, then, oh, and that the last thing is that sometimes he hears whispers and sometimes he sees the ivy-covered door and they're asking him to join. And he says, someday I will come to mother. Uh-huh. So uh, crazy. Bummer of an ending. Real <laughs> fucking bummer. Uh, so that's the end of revival. What do you guys say? We just, we go ahead and jump into our ratings. Yeah. Yes, definitely. CM. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a lot of fun. I was in it like immediately. It was, it grabbed me like the first paragraph just had me and I would have to give it five out of five blue chambray shirts. This is a tough one for me. The first time I read it, I did not like this book. I, all the things that I have said that, that bothered me completely re- took me out of the book. The first time I read it, I was like, that was stupid. <laughs> Having reread the book, I feel like I gained a lot uh, f- that I maybe missed the first time through. I really enjoyed uh, the first half more than I remembered. And honestly, honestly, that ending mm-hmm. is so good <laughs> that it makes up for so much of, uh, of the problems I had throughout it. So I am going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to give it a high three out of five. Like a three like a 3. plus. 9. Yeah. <laughs> I, I... You know what? I'm I'm gonna put my foot down. <laughs> no more. I, I give it a three yeah, plus. So Ben it, gives it a four out of five blue chambray shirts. I did not say that. Just say four. <laughs> okay, four minus. Uh. <laughs> right. Josh, what are you god. thinking? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> yeah, God, I really, really enjoyed this book. Uh, it is definitely. I can already tell that when I have been talking about it to other people who have read it, that I. Uh, the highlights are just so high that I am excited to talk about it. And the fact that just talking about the null in general is just so mm-hmm. much fun and exploring that love, that love crafty inside and so many possibilities. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give it a five out of five blue chambray shirts. That's it for this episode of dairy public radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next episode for part one of The Long Walk, where we will be covering chapters one through five. For Benjamin Graham and Joshua Kahn, I'm CM Alexander, reminding you that this is how we bring about our own damnation, you know, by ignoring the voice that begs us to stop. To stop while there's still time. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thanks for listening to part two of Revival. This is definitely one of those books that I'm going to end up reading again and again. And if you struggled with this one, I'd encourage you to give it a second chance. Most of the book is so straightforward and heartfelt that by the time the metaphors are brought to life near the end of the book in the most beautiful Frankensteinian Lovecraftian blend, you feel unnerved in a way that 
for hundreds of pages you didn't expect. And that unnerving feeling would have been lost had we not built towards it with such care and precision. So again, give it another read and let it take you on its careful and horrific journey. Let us know what Revival did for you on our Facebook or Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or Twitter at Dairy Public. As always, you can reach us by email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. If you liked this episode or any others, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. It is such a big help to us. Even if only one of you rate and review, that'll mean so much. But don't rely on that other guy to do it. It's all up to you. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.